What's going on, guys? Zane here with Everything Vibe. Welcome back for another episode of the podcast. Uh, I have some keys to give away, and that is uh, Beat Saber Steam Keys. So before we jump into the episode, I just want to go over the winners. We had two keys to give away, one for Facebook and one for YouTube. And again, just a little plug for our YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, for our Facebook page, which we just finally got set up, facebook.com slash everything vibe. We are posting the episodes there, and hopefully we'll have more content for you guys there uh, in the near future and long future as well. So, uh, and of course, youtube.com slash everything vibe. Now, let us get into it. I randomly pulled these names out of a hat earlier. So for Facebook, we have... Uh, where is it? There we go. We have Lee Kwan, L-E-Q-U-A-N. That's two words. And for YouTube, we have Eric J1186. So Lee Kwan and Eric J1186. Now you guys can message us on those respective platforms. So please make sure you do so. Let us know, uh, or just shoot us a quick message, uh, and uh, we will get you the keys right away. So once you do that, uh, well, you guys will be jamming out to some cool, cool music on Beat Saber, which is uh, which is just a fantastic game. So um, moving forward, we have an interview today that uh, Ronnie took the lead on with. 2MD VR football, uh, speaking with the team there. And um, yeah, this is really cool. I mean, I'm excited about uh, how VR is going to, sp- uh, I'm sorry, how VR is going to just upend so many and uh, so many different uh, industries and how it's going to affect that. Uh, obviously, football is a big one. And if you watched, um, well, I, I'm just going on a tangent here, but if you watched uh, Ballers last season, I think you got to see a little bit about, uh, they did something with VR there and how it's just going to be really cool how it affects all types of sports, training, things like that. So it, it was really cool to hear this episode or hear this interview specifically with this team because they're they're kind of in that arena. And uh, I think it's really exciting to see, you know, like I said before, what VR is going to do. Now, the other exciting part is that we are giving two Steam keys away for this as well. So we're going to do the same deal. It's going to be Facebook and YouTube. So this episode will have corresponding uh, number, which is going to be episode number 101. We are in the triple digits now. So episode number 101 on Facebook and on YouTube. So depending on where you're listening to this, uh, you can go to either platform or both uh, and leave us some feedback. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about the interview. Let us know what you think about VR and sports. And um, yeah, we'll have you entered in. And again, if you do both, you will uh, be entered for double the chances to win a Steam key. So I don't want to spoil too much of the interview because there's a lot of really great content in there. So let us jump right in and uh, yeah, we'll check in with you guys soon. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, this is Ronnie from Everything Vive, and I'm here today with a couple of gentlemen from Truant Pixel. I'm here with Maher and Ian. Hi guys, how are you guys doing? Good, hi. Yeah, doing good. Hey, doing all right. Perfect, and and thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, You know, we're here mainly to talk about 2MD VR football. I know you you recently had a release of the game, um, you know, for the PlayStation VR, but since we mostly cover, you know, Vive games here, uh, I w- wanted to talk just a little bit about the game, uh, you know, given its its release on Steam, uh, you know, in in late 2017, and, and kind of just talk about True and Pixel in general. So um, if, if you guys could just briefly introduce yourselves and, and what your role is on the team, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, 
Um, um, my name is uh, Meher. I'm um, the, uh, I guess I'm the president um, and co-founder of TrendPixel. And because we're a very small organization, we all have multiple jobs and mine is uh, whatever, whatever that is. And <laughs> so doing, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of the lead artist and designer and lead sound technician, composer, <laughs> uh, a bunch of, I basically anything else you can, I do all the publishing duties and stuff. And okay. A lot of the boring stuff too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. What about you, Ian? I'm, I'm Ian. I, uh, mostly programming, I guess I did sort of co-develop 2MD. So, uh, okay. a little more of the. Yeah, what design would, side there. What what would that entail exactly? Like when you say you co-developed that specific title, like did you did you take more of a lead on on the design, or kind of what did that? What did yeah, that so this was two MD was sort of a an idea me and my brother hatched up over Thanksgiving. Uh, I guess that would have been 2016, yes. and uh, yeah sort of specifically for the VR space because we felt that the idea was a good fit for kind of um, the area, the, the play space you ha kind of have to work with, with uh, like a room scale VR. You know, uh, it was Vive at the time. It was our, uh, uh, our first sort of platform for it because it was... It had just recent. When when did the Vive come out? It was, it was earlier in the year. I yeah. believe you guys had come over and played it at our place. Yeah, and I bought one shortly after. <laughs> that that's a story that that I hear from a lot of people. Just as far as yes, one person picks up picks up a Vive and then has has some friends over, and then pretty soon people are shooting ideas and coming up with you know concepts of what might work for a game and. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So that, that was sort of ours. We're like, you know, the space is about right. So, you know, you're moving around in that area in the sort of the pocket. You know, you've got all the control to be able to, to throw and do that. So we're like, I think this really works for the kind of, you know, and the area that you have and sort of our scope of, of what we can do with, you know, being a small team. Yeah. And, and before you guys were kind of starting to, to get into some of the VR stuff, like it, you guys were working together at Truant Pixel prior to, prior to the VR work or, or what, what, what oh, was yeah. kind of the background of, of the studio a little bit? We, uh, we opened the studio, I think in 2000, I think officially it was opened in 2008 and it started out just kind of like as a little design, you know, it's independent series, actually just me at the time. <laughs> it was me doing like, it was me doing like dynamic themes for PlayStation 3. Okay. And like I had done, you know, they had opened up theme design and, you know, I was just playing around with it. And you have uh, a, like, you, you have some, some, some background in art or like. You yeah. Were... Yeah. Like just, just with like using the tools and stuff and, you know, I, uh, picking up the really weird custom markup language that they use for it because it's not like c sharp it's not java it's all like you know it's all like a xml and um i was putting out stuff in the community and somebody at konami of all places noticed it 
and said, hey, could you help us make a theme for Silent Hill? I said, sure, okay. Huh. I didn't know that was the first one. I that was the first That was the first official one. And um, then from there, Konami. we did a bunch of Konami ones. And then uh, that guy left Konami and moved to Sega. And he kind of came, took us with him. He's like, we want you to make stuff for Sega. So we did a bunch of stuff for Sega. And that, we you know, were able, it wasn't really much of a business at the point because, you know, it, we, it's not a lot of money. And it's, you know, it's really more kind of like, hey, we get to play with these you know, fun IPs a little yeah. bit all the get a peek into this this weird world and What's and then um, after that, uh, I think come around around 2012 or 2013, we're like, well, we really want to make games, so let's make games. And so we started working. We worked on a VR prototype for a platform game, which is still very much on our back burner now, um, <laughs> because you know it's, it's kind of like as the technology is has has gotten better, so we have all these other different ideas we want to try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it started with, we were messing around with Oculus stuff, and then we built a demo, and we sent that to Sony, and Sony said, oh, we'll send you a PlayStation dev- VR development kit. Okay. And how, and how early was this? Like, what, when, what around what time do you think this was? 20, mid, mid-2015, I think, I mean, or 2016. It was early. It was before okay. it came out. Okay. Actually, no, mid-2015. Mid-2015. Because we got the kit and then we decided, well, let's make a game, you know, let's, we need to make a game for PlayStation. We have to make something, you know, simple and, you know, because we wanted to, we had to expand our market a little bit because all we were doing was doing dynamic themes, which was making money. Yeah. Uh, that's a really niche thing to be working on. So Sure. And you had these connections at Sony already from doing the themes. So you figured you'd kind of transition that into, yeah. into, into let's, the game. Let's so. go legit. Let's go legit with game development. So we made a small, we made a small game, a small arcade game using, um, you know, just a, that, that uh, was kind of developed around some fun, uh, fun physics uh, that uh, we, uh, that Ian had come up with <laughs> actually playing around with the engine. And we released that and was like, okay, this is kind of like Snake, a Snake game or Pac-Man or something. It wasn't really super exciting. But then we said, well, let's put it in VR. And we adapted the game for VR. And it actually um, it got a much better uh, response when the huh. VR patch went out. Um, and because uh, it was cool because you were swimming around in these like, you know, micro environments as a as a uh, uh, microscopic organism and you're looking at, you have to look around in VR and it was one of the few games on the PSVR. It's still one of the few games that would allow for continuous uh, locomotion in 360 degrees. Huh. It doesn't use snap turning. It doesn't use teleportation. It's continuous locomotion. And um, it, it, it was one of the only ones that, uh, that did that for the longest time, I think. Um, and we still get, I still get, you know, occasionally get messages from people saying, Hey, this game's fun, you know, which is cool. Some people, it's like completely obtuse and weird. They don't like it. So, yeah. And you're not going to please everybody. <laughs> uh, but then we kind of, we went from there. We started working on Akash, which is our, uh, our traditional title, say a Tome title that, uh, you know, um, we started, uh, we started working on. That's pretty far into production now. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was new. It was Thanksgiving uh, weekend, you know, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, 2016, <laughs> um, before that, I think Ian and his brother had come by and they tried out the Vive. And and then after that, Charlie, after that, you guys came by again and they actually had already whipped up a very, very simple prototype <laughs> that uh, employed a bunch of like uh, 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 a bunch of um, 
capsule <laughs> primitives. Capsules with side capsules for their little yeah. shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> and a vaguely bald yeah, lips. And I think there was a, to get to the field from the locker room, because they had the whiteboard already, and to get from the field locker room, mm-hmm. to reach over and grab a door handle. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like did they, and he kind of presents like, hey, we should, you know, could we make this develop something? He's like, yeah, we, we could. This looks seem pretty cool. So we kind of talked about ideas, and we all agreed that it should be lighthearted because we're not EA, and we don't have <laughs> million dollars to invest in motion capture studio. We don't have, you know, an NFL license. Because a lot of these games live or die by the license. And the thing that kind of yeah. stood out was nobody had tried it at this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we started developing that. And that's all – it was all um, you know, and it, remote development. Not not to stop you too much from there, but, like, it's kind of, it's fascinating to me that you guys, you know, kind of jumped from from working on the themes. And now you're, you know, full – like, you you were able to release something, uh, a VR title – you know, on for the PlayStation VR, and now you, you guys are working on the Vive. Like, uh, what was the process like moving from from you know just you know making the themes to then figuring out what it what it took to kind of put together kind of a software title to to, to experimenting in VR? I mean, was that was it was it a crazy learning curve, or did you guys had you guys? Honestly, I would say I can't speak for Ian for the programming side of things, but for the <laughs> From the modeling side of things, I mean, everything in dynamic themes has to be really, 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 really well optimized. Mm. Like, you know, oftentimes we have to bake lighting. You have to use all these shortcuts and tricks. And I mean, we have stuff that we've actually, we have stuff that we do that we've actually, we consider it to be uh, um, trade secrets. Like, we don't share it with Sony even how we do some of the dynamic theme stuff. Mm. The funny thing is, when you're talking about VR, especially PlayStation VR, you're talking about a programming and processing environment that's highly restrictive because you have to bust out a frame rate of, you know, 90 hertz or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of the PlayStation, you have like a really, you know, your, your CPU may be a little bit more handicapped than, than say, on a PC. Mm-hmm. And um, so the that... The Vive requirements are a little beefier. Yeah? Oh, God. Remember <laughs> when we started messing with the Vive, it was like, we can do that? Wow, like we can do all this stuff. You know, we can we, get, we start throwing everything at it, like just completely tossing caution to the winds. Oh, we can have these really high poly players and high poly this, and, and then it was a major like reality check when we tried when we came back into the yards. Like, oh, we can't do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny because I uh, you guys obviously obviously started out with the Sony connection, and then you know I'm realizing now that obviously 2MD came out on Steam before you guys were able to get the release, uh, you know, over to PlayStation VR, like, was that some of just the idea that, you know, the game, the game concept was developed for the Vive and then kind of scaling that so that it would work properly on, on the PlayStation? I think that's fairly accurate. Well, I mean, we, we didn't really know because if the, if the PlayStation would have been a good platform for it like luckily with the the move controllers have a lot of tech in there i didn't realize that made it possible but you know at the time it was like the vive is you know it's got exactly what we need mm-hmm. you know you have you have the controllers you got the full motion with them so we can do the sort of like physics of the throwing you've got the room scale the lighthouses so you've got this space you can move freely in yeah so i mean we had come up with it with the vibe in mind, like, you know, this is perfect for it. So, you know, going to the switching over to the PlayStation VR, 
it was it really started out as let's let's move it over and let's see how well it works and if it if it works well great if not then uh tough break i guess but it ended up working out um and and what was it like trying to kind of nail down some of those mechanics? Like you you guys mentioned, like for for people out there that haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, I mean it's two MD is all about you know you're the quarterback, and it's you know not only are you kind of drawing up plays before you're able to jump into the games, but you know once you're in, you know you're 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 throwing the ball to to different receivers taking routes and. And like, there's also some mini games like revolving around the throwing. So like, obviously the the throwing mechanic, if it didn't feel right, you know, it would kind of you know be a, a game breaker. And and for me, anyways, like as soon as I jumped in, like I know, I know you guys gave gave the player the control during the the tutorial to be able to kind of gear in the you know some of the settings to make it feel feel right for how people are playing it. But like, but I mean, me surprisingly, I jumped in and like I I felt the right amount like. For me, anyways, like at first it was like a little bit funny to get used to like fully extending my arm like that because because yeah. because you give all those warnings, but like it's one of those things like <laughs> when you're actually throwing a football, like you're holding those Vive controllers, and even with the wrist straps, you're like, ah, do I want to go out that far? But like yeah. then you get used to it, and it and it's just a very like fluid, like it feels like you're you're really like you know giving giving the ball the right amount of push to to get it to who you're throwing. So like, yeah, talk about, I guess w- what it took to make that feel right. It, it's, it's funny how, how, I mean, we didn't know it, how it was going to work exactly at first either. And it's funny how quickly really it, it's sort of fell into place. Right. We, we did tweak it some a little later in the process. Uh, but you know, it, even early on, it it was like we were like, "Wow, that!" I thought that was going to be more difficult to get. That <laughs> now, I will say uh, about the tweaking thing in there that came about when when we're like, "Why don't let's let's uh, have the Oculus support as well?" Because it out of the gate did not. Hmm. feel right like it would go straight into the dirt and we're like oh wow i didn't expect that to be that different and and i i don't know what it could be other than the release of the trigger um i guess whenever how it detects that that has been lifted is different and so so the tweaking of it came from let's let them tweak their release to get it to feel right and by doing that we could we could get it to adjust correctly. Huh. So and moving it over to PlayStation VR, like what was was that like uh, like an, an additional <laughs> challenge of trying to like figure out how to how to get everything to work properly once you yeah, had... it's PlayStation VR is, is quite a bit different because um, like with the Vive, mm-hmm. the tracking the tracking on the controller is pretty good so that's enough with the playstation vr since you've got the one front camera if, if you're at the right distance it act, and it actually works pretty well but um the way we ended up doing that was actually uh a little bit different uh 
by using the the controller's actual like it has um can't think of the word has a gyro and it has yeah. a magnetometer yeah. and it has the tracking too yeah so you can you can get accelerometer you can get the actual like how hard you're hucking the thing uh oh. velocity values so Huh, so to some extent, it's more it's more complicated in that like you have all those different kind of yeah, yeah. systems yeah. that are at play to kind of determine like, huh? It's that's really interesting. I I uh, and Ronnie, I got to puff up Ian a little bit because like we constantly were getting back from people that this is that at least on the PlayStation VR that the throwing is like the motion and the throwing and the tracking is the most accurate they've ever played with. Wow. Right. Like watching, it's been hilarious watching the streams because at first, people will will they'll, they'll hike the ball and then they'll waggle like they'll just flick their wrist like it's gonna <laughs> do something. Ball will fall and then it's like oh I guess and the guy throws it and they're like what like everybody's response is wow. like relief because up to this point no one's really really taken advantage of all the data that yeah. those players can generate. Um, which on the Vive, of course, the Vive, you know, Vive remotes are, I mean, you're getting a lot more accurate data in 360 degrees versus, sure. you know, tiny little webcam on top of a, you know, on top of your TV. Yeah. It's, but, it is really, it's really calculated with, with the motion of your arm more than, more than just the point at which you let go, you know, it's tracking that before that point. Yeah. No, but that's really interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, with a lot of stuff, like, I guess there's different challenges depending on you know exactly what you're trying to accomplish with each system. But like, kind of like you said, like with the Vive, you you have a you know a, a really solid tracking system for for what the controllers are doing, and then you have to kind of you know try to determine what the player's intent is based on based on just that single feedback loop that's really detailed. Whereas mm-hmm. whereas I guess like with a with a PlayStation. VR setup from what you're saying. I mean, it, it sounds like if you if you're if you take the time to really understand what's happening with all of those other those other systems and the controllers, that you're able to just there's a lot more data there than what people would really would really on first glance expect there to be, right? That's, yeah, it, it it does it it has a lot of it has a lot of tech in there, and I feel like. For for most things, you don't really probably ever need to use it, but I think we were actually able to make use of them. So hey, I'm kind of glad they're in there. Uh, everything that we were looking at when it came down to boil to to figuring out because when 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 I made the announcement when I got they let me write the blog post for the announcement, I mentioned that you know we built it from the ground up for PlayStation VR, and that's the truth. Like we took everything. I think the you know I, all of the um, like all the player models, all of the um, the the, st- the stadium models are are similar between the two versions of the game, mm-hmm. uh, but everything else and you know the AI is also similar. But the um, everything down to how detailed the lines on the whiteboard were, how the um, hands are rendered, the player models, how the um, you know, uh, and, and more importantly, how the throwing model works is completely different from the PlayStation. But the end product is comparable in terms of its quality and whatnot, which is, Man. which was, which was, uh, you know, very gratifying. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome uh, work on your part. Cause I, I feel like that's what everybody always wants with, you know, different releases of the games. You always worry that, 
you know, it's it's made more for one platform versus the other, especially with, you know, the differences. And, like, it, like you see it a lot more, I think, when a game was initially made just for the PlayStation VR and then is kind of quickly ported over to, to Steam. <laughs> like, you'll see kind of some, you know, limitations as far as, like, what they were able to do not really, you know, like, they... You know, you cut corners a little bit because the PlayStation can't keep up with everything, and then those yeah. those, those seem like 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 something's missing when when you translate it to the. So to see it kind of go backwards, and then you you guys you know find a way to kind of bring that higher level of fidelity over to the PlayStation VR. I feel like it's the opposite effect that you usually get from those kind of those kind mm-hmm. of transport transfers, where you have PlayStation VR users that maybe aren't as used to having such high precision you know, uh, uh, you know, controller input and all of a sudden they're, 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 you know, being blown away with just how, how much control they have. That's, that's really exciting to hear. Yeah. Although it's probably uh, on us, it's probably easier because all of our characters are tackle dummies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like another thing. Like, I, I mean, when I played the game, like, you know, like, I mean, in my experience, m- most of the, uh, like a lot of the the really impressive VR titles that I that that I go back to over and over again, like you never go back to VR because you're necessarily like in a hyper realistic like crazy. It you're more you're more interested in having fun, and in VR the kinds of things that work are usually the things that are more like attention grabbing, more like you're able to quickly read and 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 play, and especially like in a game where you're a quarterback, like like. I thought, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the fact that like the the dummies are a little bit shorter made me feel like I had quarterback vision. Like I could I, I could see the whole field in front of me, and I was able to make plays and feel like I was you know like you know some awesome quarterback making a play on a drive where like in reality you know five foot eight Ronnie or whatever probably wouldn't be able to get a ball like you know a few feet in front of him. <laughs> Five foot seven, Ian. I, I am. I'm with you there. It, it's, five foot five, me. <laughs> it's it's funny you mention that though, because our our very first builds of it, we were like, let's make the linebackers actually, you know, like six six three six four, and you know, if if you're short, I mean, that's that's your problem, man. <laughs> and yeah, so that was me, like. Now I'm like I'm just sort of like trying to get it over their heads because I can't see and I've got two marks in my ceiling now because I have to like jump up and, <laughs> and throw it as high as I could and I would smack the ceiling. We destroy ceiling fans, by the way. <laughs> I, but at last count, I think we we destroyed like seven or eight ceiling fans, like four on the Vive, and now I think like three or four on PlayStation VR. And people, the funny thing is, people are happy when they're telling us if they broke their ceiling. <laughs> they need to, to move their setup, I think. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing with the ceiling? But um, uh, it also should be said, since we're talking about the players, though, too, is that the AI in the game is really, is fun. It, it's it's part of what makes it fun. Um, and I think, Ian, I think Cole, ha- uh, he, he programmed the AI for the players, didn't he? Like okay. all of the... And he told me, you know, when I was asking him about like, you know, at one point I sat him down and said, what, so what kind of stuff did they do? What kind of, and it's kind of cool because they, they all behave independently, but they may, but as you get through the, as you go through the game and it starts to get harder, they start working together Mm. and you'll start seeing like things like man defense and zone defense. 
And um, the funny thing is I started getting a couple emails from people, one person saying, you know, admittedly, understandably kind of frustrated, like he's getting around six and he cannot beat it. And, you know, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I think the game is bugged. You got to fix it. I said, no, it's not bugged. It's just really hard. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Ramps it's, up a little. it's, that- it's, that's really so, that's really funny that someone would go out of the way to email to say like this obviously is broken because I'm I'm amazing at the game and three or four times three or four times online game you know <laughs> they must be hacking yeah I mean like three or four times the same person email and I'm not disparaging this person no, I mean no, I no. frustration I understand his frustration. I keep telling him so listen I've never beat round six so I mean like, it's really really <laughs> difficult. He's like, well, my guys always drop the ball. And it's like, well, no, they don't always drop the ball. You know, that, that stuff doesn't change. Like how fast your, your players are, how well they are handling, you know, all their, their strategies. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change. The only thing that changes is how fast the AI reacts. And that's yeah. where the play, the play calling comes in. You have to use the plays to, you know, you have to use the plays to beat the AI. You can't just have a good throwing arm. You know, and that, that's actually something really cool that, like, I mean, going into the game, I wasn't necessarily, like, I knew it was a football game, and I knew I was going to be a quarterback, but before I had a chance to try it out myself, I wasn't necessarily, like, I didn't necessarily know I was going to be able to, to make plays, and, and the way you guys did it was really, like, easy and intuitive and effective, and in that you're able to just, you know, again, like, it, it's it's one of those things, like, you know, using the inputs that VR provides you to be able to to draw out the lines of of the routes that your receivers are going to like. It's easy, but at the same time, it feels like you have such a it, it's such a cool feeling to be able to to draw draw your routes and, and make your plays on on the whiteboard, and then go and then see that translate on the field. Like, it, and that, that's really cool. That I mean, it sounds like that was one of one of Ian's first ideas to kind of include in the game. Yeah, that was my first. That was probably the first thing I really. I really fleshed out to two as soon as we uh as soon as we got the the VR stuff on there was like, okay, yeah, we need a way we need a way to do this. You know. I had seen up uh, you're probably familiar with like the the like Steam Lab uh the lab, yeah. Demo had a uh, in the actual lab room, had like a whiteboard on the wall. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, does this actually work?" And I'm like, oh, yeah, "I don't know." There was like there was like a dinosaur on it, and you could like you could sort of fill it in. It had no purpose, but it was like I was like, "Huh, that's an interesting idea." So I was sort of like, "You know, we could do that, but now we could also actually make it be sort of your interface for for how you you know change around your team." And yeah, and yeah, draw draw your routes, and you know, yeah, and, and it's it. super intuitive. Like I said, like I'm one of those kind of people that not that I don't play like more complicated games, but like sometimes when a game is kind of too menu heavy or too like you know fit like like I, I just want to get in and, and play. And and yeah. and the way the the way the the drawing out plays worked with a whiteboard, it was just so easy. Like even for someone like me that initially was like, oh, is this going to be like you know, a little bit too involved for me. Like, no, it was like, it was super accessible. And when I started getting rewarded and, and kind of to what Maher was saying earlier about the AI, like when you realize what your, you know, the plays that you're drawing up and, and you're kind of seeing what those effects are on the AI, it's a, it's like a really rewarding experience to feel like you, like you, you came up with the idea that's kind of getting you through the game. Yeah. I, I, 
I totally agree. And and we actually specifically made the default plays kind of like, eh, they're okay, but you know, they're the kind of thing like you can go into the game once, you know, play a few rounds and then be like, I can improve this. And then I, I've seen it a lot with people playing it. They're, the kind of process has been, at first it's just like, all right, get me into the game. I, I want to start. I don't want to mess with any of that. They they play a few rounds and then they then they they're like, all right, I want to go back and I want to I'm going to draw this up. Like I think this is will work and and yeah, everyone seems seems to like that. And I think it's kind of one of the I think it's one of the uh, really cool things about VR in general is that you you really don't have to be menu heavy. Like I, th- I think it really works well to to try to design the game where it's like. You, you do it intuitively because you're in the space and and you your interface is is almost like if you're actually there you know this is this controller is my hand and I pick up a thing and it doesn't need to tell me how to use it because you use it how you actually use it so I pick up a marker and oh yeah I know to press this to the board oh there's a thing on the board I know I can pick it up and move it you know like a magnet and so uh, I, that was really that was really kind of one of the big goals of the game is like let's make this as as interface light as possible yeah and 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 i mean as far as like i know since maher worked on like I, I it sounded like a lot of the like 3d modeling and kind of more of the art stuff like like yeah what was it like kind of figuring out how detailed you wanted to get versus how abstract and I know you didn't have the licenses and that sort of thing so like figuring out kind of how you wanted to to take those kind of decisions like what it what theme you wanted to go with for the game like was that (laughs) that was that was actually a pretty early design decision was like I think very early on we were almost thinking like they could just be little bouncing helmets and I I can't I can't remember. It probably was some kind of like NFL ad or something that had like the little goofy cartoon <laughs> like helmets. But then I don't know why. I don't know who thought of it first was like, you know, what if they're just like tackle dummies, you know, just like the. Well, we talked about that because um, it was when we sat down to kind of hash out how we would get all of this running mm-hmm. um, and how you guys had done the movement. Um, and the idea, I think initially we talked about like doing them as like, what's well, like, well, they don't have any, at first I think we were going to give them hands. Oh yeah. Cause if we're like, and they were going to be, it was going to have more of a sci-fi look to it. They're going to be like floaty robots. In fact, I think I still have the picture somewhere. <laughs> like, I, I mocked it up. The whole backstory envisioned where it yeah. was like <laughs> football robots became like the sport of the future but then like humanity had died out and all that's left were these robots but all they knew know how to do is play football so it was just the sort of like we were going to put in little hints that like the only the only thing left of society was these stadiums and outside of it it was just like a wasteland but it's like post-apocalyptic football robot future Uh, football robots were just doing what they knew Then it kind of can become where he's like, well, we want to appeal enough. Like we kind of decided let's go for more of like a Pixar look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, we're no worries. It's like it was less less work anyway. Yeah. No. Uh, and I mean, there's a, like a lot of personality. Like as far as the fact that they're, you know, just like kind of practice, you know, like tackle dummies. Like 
the it makes all the little animations and like kind of the bobbing up and down and tackles and all that stuff like kind of a lot more charming because it's kind of it's funny to just think that they're all out there just kind of you know up that that's what you're up against you know like because that, the funny thing is real tackle dummies are actually a lot less complex looking they're they're just like <laughs> really would be just going back to the cylinder you know yeah. the cylinder on the on the sled and that was it. it's like we added like helmets and yeah, yeah. jerseys and names and all sorts of Crazy cheerleader dummies, and yes. I like feel like the coach made it with a little mustache. <laughs> and then we like have, the, well, what, what I tell everybody now is like the the, the coach is actually just the mustache. The yeah. <laughs> it's like the coach's ascension mustache. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like it, it kind of reminds me. Like obviously, you guys released this beforehand, but like reminds me of like like Super Mario Odyssey or something with like the mustache like taking over. <laughs> possesses it possesses <laughs> it, the, the coach can kind of just possess any practice dummy he wants and just <laughs> <laughs> every team has the same coach he just possesses different <laughs> the, uh, what's funny actually about it is that in the game and i don't think a lot of people picked up on this i don't know if we're dealing with different audience but like we got we got like xander mobis to do the announcer ah. uh, like you know smash brothers yeah yeah and- and he's got a whole lot of stuff to his credit. And then when we released the PSVR version, we got um, ProZD, like Sung Won Cho, to do the coach because he's got like this, you know, epic baritone voice. <laughs> and it was kind of funny. We're like, because remember when we're, we're doing a recording session, he's like, okay, so how do you want me to do this? We're like, um, can you sound like, uh, what's his name? Like uh, Dick Butkus. Can you, can you sound like Dick Butkus? <laughs> I don't know who Dick Butkus is. It's like, uh... You ever heard an NFL coach talk? No. It's like, okay. <laughs> just do your gruffest, just do your gruff, just do gruff, you know, gruff like a truck driver. <laughs> That's how it, you're, you're tired of being here. Like, okay. Man's man. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like he knew he could do it. He just. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just kind of funny because like none of us, you know, were really like at least us here, like, like myself and um, him and, you know, and Sue, Suha, like we're, not really super into football so it's like we're, really, we're talking we're throwing names I was like i guess i really don't know what dick butkus sounds like either right, let me find a youtube <laughs> i mean he's a little before my time so i can't to be honest say i've i've ever really heard him i mean he just <laughs> has that name you want to say especially if you're like a 12th grader yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely sounds awesome so <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's, that's, that's great. So, I mean, yeah, what, as far as like the goals that you guys set out to make, like when you, when you wanted to, to kind of, you know, make something like this, uh, for, for Steam VR and now you're getting it out on, on PlayStation VR. I mean, what were some of kind of the, the big takeaways and as far as like, like what you guys are hoping to, to take with you maybe onto future VR projects? Uh, I think. It's, it's, I, one big thing I was surprised by, um, the, the running mechanic that your quarterback can run, um, was not added to the game until pretty late in its development. It was almost as an afterthought because for the longest time we're like, you know, it's not really necessary. That's not, not really the idea behind the game. Mm -hmm. We weren't sure how jarring it would be to to have the the sort of uh, kind of not not staggered movement, mm. but when we put it in the game, um, and you know, as long as we don't make you fly down the field, which 
which we didn't really want you to, it it actually was was really pretty smooth and and it it worked well. And I think whereas before we were very afraid to to kind of do a free movement in VR. Mm-hmm. I think now um, I'm a little more open to to you know starting development of a game mm-hmm. uh, with that in mind, rather than as as the afterthought. Like, yeah, let's put it in there and see if it works, and if it doesn't, we don't need it. I think, I think the other reason that we didn't do um, we didn't do movement initially was because um, we had kind of come off of um, Vive. And Sony, remember, Sony has the VR comfort yeah. testing. Mm-hmm. There's this whole other layer of quality assurance that they do, basically to make sure that you can't release a, you know, you, that you can't release a game on PSVR that's going to make people throw up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was in in the back and forth. You know, Vive like had like 360 degree movement, continuous movement, but we had like the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, it was ridiculous back and forth. We pushed the limit uh, on that, I think, a yeah. little bit. <laughs> I think eventually they just got tired of me and just said, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but uh, because they're saying things like, you know, this makes player uncomfortable, this makes player uncomfortable, this this makes player uncomfortable. You know, we're like, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? Like at one mm-hmm. point, what is it they said the... They said this is this is too big. It's scary. It's like it's supposed to be scary. <laughs> too and big and scary. <laughs> like, like you're spelunking under like an underwater cavern. <laughs> well, no, they, they like the blood. Like the, when you're swimming through the blood, they're like the color red is too prominent. We're like it's blood. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, it came down to, and I understand where they're coming from, of course. But it was just it's hard because it everything was done was from overseas and it was being translated bug reports being translated by an intermediary then sent to us mm. and then make our response make our changes send it back and they sometimes fix it sometimes they say nope it's not fixed yet and mm. you kind of get i think ian and i we kind of talked about it because we ran into it a lot less so with Vive uh, with uh, 2md but like we get a report back and we'd say okay this is broken it's like, okay we'll fix it mm. and uh so we fixed it we sent it back and then it'd be like what they'd be like this isn't fixed yet and we're like <laughs> yes, yes it is yes, and we kind of were like this is kind of like that episode of The Simpsons with uh, um, uh, with the baseball players and um, was it Wade Boggs? And he's uh, like telling David Sidebar. You're thinking I think you're thinking of Future Rum episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know because again these were sort of baseball players before my time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like he's like saying, shave those sideburns and the guy eventually shows up with like his almost his whole his head shaved. Like, I told you to shave those sideburns. You're off the team. Like you know did did you notice I mean did any did did that process change at all between when you when you released Vive and when you went to to try to release 2MD like as far as uh-huh. is the process easier now compared to before? Uh, I, I think I like it was a little easier. We we were better at it because we predicted yeah. that because I still had the old reports. I'm like, ah, they want us to do this and this and this. And we mm. made sure that like, because frame, you, one thing you'll notice about even the PSVR version is that there are zero frame drops in the entire game. Like mm. at no point does a frame rate or the reprojection rate drop below 120 hertz. Hmm. And that's by design because we like, okay, we have to hide any potential frame drops and loading screens and this, but nothing happens during gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like that's a thing that they mandate, which makes sense because I've yeah, seen yeah. some 
have that and it's obvious. I mean, you can, it really takes you out of it. It's really uncomfortable when the frame rate drops. Yeah. yeah. The route drawing was what. Oh, yeah. That was it. It's like, well, there were certain, it, it was always the last thing you, you think of. It's like, because near the very end, we were, we were ironing everything out, but like you change routes and it's like, man, why is the frame rate like tanking for just, a, it just happened for a second. Huh. And it's imperceptible if you're playing, you can't see it, but the dev kit will flag it and say, oh, you dropped a, you dropped some frames and they will they will latch on and say, fix this. And it's like, well, we got to get rid of these. Huh. And it ended up being the, the amount of geometry being used for the route was for one of the uh, default routes was still like the PC version. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> It's, yeah. that's, it's interesting. That's interesting just because like from like, I, I, like you were saying, I totally understand why, uh, they would be, you know, really protective of trying to make sure that the player experience is, is good, especially like on something like the PlayStation VR, where oh, you yeah. potentially have, have new people that have never tried VR, like getting into it for the first time, whatever. But on, on the other hand, like it, it's like, as someone that's kind of, you know, been, been playing VR titles since the, the Vive and even the, you know, the Oculus dev kits and whatnot, like you've kind of seen the market, I think, tend to kind of, kind of start to, to go towards some of the more, some of the less comfortable experiences and kind of chalking it up to, well, to some extent, like, like, you know, there's certain faux pas that, oh, we know that this isn't good design. This will make the player sick. Don't use it. But then to some extent, like if you're getting nauseated because it's because you, your game requires a certain mechanic, like you're starting to see more and more developers, kind of kind of like what Ian was was saying when it comes to you know fr- like free roaming movement, like you're starting to see a lot more people say, eh, if if this isn't this experience isn't going to be for everyone, but for people that want this experience, like we're we want to do it, so like. It's just kind of interesting to see where VR is heading versus like limit limiting itself to some of these more, you know, <laughs> these these easier to digest like super super comfortable situations like flawless playback and whatnot versus like some of the stuff out there that's just going wild and crazy. It's it's, it's funny too because when we first got into the VR was with we had like an Oculus version one dev kit. We were doing our, we were looking at our VR platformer game that Mayher mentioned, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I swear, you know, and it was a very like experimental time. Like, let's just, you know, you know, it wasn't out yet. It was really the only thing you could get a dev kit for at the time, and so it was just like everything that you could find for it was people just being like let's make a roller coaster. And like, <laughs> it, it was all sorts of things. Like, let's make the, the big, like swinging ship, but it ship, but it's going to go all the way around. And, you know, if you go too fast, it's going to fling you off of it. And it's going to go spinning. Like, like they were just trying to like make you throw up and uncomfortable. And to have gone from, from that to now. Yeah. And like back again to some extent, like, yeah, it, I think, there was sort of a test the limits or, or rather, you know, go all out. Oh, this makes me sick. Then it's like, then there was this step it way back. You know, we can't make anyone at all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then now I think it's sort of back to, all right, what, what can we push in the name of 
of better playability, I guess. And I think, I think it's it's also probably the technology too has has improved. I think as you see that get better, I think some of those things become less and less of an issue. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And just as far as I mean, I, I mean the the key I think is that you know you have developers that are really like making the decisions they're making intentionally because it serves the purpose of their game versus like you know bad ports of non VR titles to VR or like <laughs> like I like I think there's a difference you know as far as like when you're trying Absolutely. to seek out c- comfort versus you know like what works for your game and yeah um, and. And, you, and that's and that was sort of exactly my point was, you know, 2MD was very much, this is an idea that will work within the bounds of VR, you know. It doesn't have to move you, or you, you don't have to, to move or spin around. You're not navigating complex environments. Um, but I think towards the end of development, we realized you can do a few of those things mm-hmm. just fine. And I think, you know, for for maybe the next thing I would want to do mm-hmm. in VR, I think very much could be, all right, now we can give the player a bigger space to move around in, move freely in, and it's not as much of an issue as we thought it would be, you know, when we started 2MD. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, so with, with, I guess on that note, kind of from, from both of your perspectives, um, where... Like as as you know, enthusiasts that just like enjoying VR to developers that are you know interested in in, in working on future titles potentially. Um, what are some of the things like where where do you hope the technology goes? Like as as far as someone that's worked on it, what what would you like to see incorporated into future versions of of VR tech? <laughs> I I really want, and this is funny because I feel like we had a conversation related to two related to two MD you know, someone from Europe are like, oh, this is the other football. And we're like, yeah, sorry, it's kind of hard to stick a controller to your foot. <laughs> but it's, I would like to see more of like um, using your actual body as the controller, not needing a controller so much. So you could actually do something like, okay, it's tracking my foot so I can kick a ball now. Or it's just using my hand. So, and it has enough fidelity on each of my fingers. I don't know, you have a glove or I don't know what the sure. sort of peripheral would be that I can just physically put my hand around the virtual object to pick it up or to interact with it. I think, I think that is sort of the next step for me in terms of making it a more immersive experience. And what about you, Maher? Any... Uh- Oh, being the being the graphics person for me, it's um, true foveated rendering. Um, are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as as far as like, I mean, if you if you want to explain to the listeners, yeah. just So so basically, when you're um, essentially um, focusing, um, what's what's a good? I'm trying to think. What's a good way? Uh, to describe it that makes sense for your eyes focus. yeah yeah it's more or less like instead of the like the way I think of it and I correct me if I'm wrong but like rather than rather than the sweet spot on the screen being like a physical spot on the screen it's more like following like you like the way your eyes work in real life is that you really 
you look right. wherever your your focus your your the focus of your retina is there's like a very small amount of space that's in high resolution at that specific place and it's like uh, yeah i was trying to i was trying to avoid giving too much medical jargon but basically sure, sure. But basically, if I just I'll just lay it out. There's the phoba is a small depression. Um, it's in it's the it's it's in the retina, that area in the retina where visual acuity is the highest. Mm. And the concept behind foveated rendering is being able to track where that moves in space as your eyes are moving, mm-hmm. and make sure the highest fidelity visuals are um, strictly focused there, so that things around the periphery can have lower fidelity and you won't notice. Yeah, yeah. And, that also, in fact, that act, that actually works with normal physiologic vision as well. Um, and the idea being that the, you know being able to do that will open up you know much much lighter platforms to being able to do VR effectively. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, but uh, I think I think like what is it? Oculus Go has fixed phobiated rendering, but mm-hmm. I think you have to keep your eyes fixed on a certain point to get the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, tracking, you know, tracking the eye's movement because your eye is constantly moving and scanning and whatnot, and and uh, interpolating that is the hard part. And there's still people working. There's still companies that are working to crack that. I think, in a in a way that is feasible from a consumer perspective. Yeah. But um, but that you know, people talk about it getting higher fidelity, and yeah, higher fidelity screens are good, and and better processing is good, and. All of those things are just going to happen as the technology evolves. But I think that that one element is going to be the point where it like, takes a, a giant leap, you know? Yeah. Because um, then, and- like, yeah, because one of the things that I mean, like, right now, in order to to have higher resolution screens, I mean, you're talking like like exponentially more and more powerful hardware that's able to actually process that. But if foveated rendering, yeah, works works the way you'd like it to, then all of a sudden you can have those really high resolutions, but in a very small amount of space that don't require, you know, this. Right. Right. I mean, you can have, you have to have really high pixel. I mean, you need, we need higher pixel density in the screens. Mm -hmm. It's ironic because I actually have, I bought, (laughs) our studio got a Vive Pro. Yeah. After GDC. And, um, we were were very much kind of crunching to finish 2MD. I say crunch and not in the literal sense. We we have good hours here, um, but uh, we it's like it's still sitting in the box. Like I haven't had a chance to pull it out, bust it out to see how good the because the rendering is supposed to be much better with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, but yeah, the problem with having a higher fidelity displays is that you have to have horsepower to drive the those displays effectively. Yeah, and that is a that's that's a, a major hurdle and something that we kind of ran into. A, on a, to a smaller degree with the PlayStation VR version, because, you know, um, PlayStation, especially at CPU really, really are made to drive like really high. A lot of the high fidelity visuals that VR requires at the rate that it is necessary. But, yeah. uh, Sony's done some pretty amazing things, uh, with optimization and predictive, um, uh, uh predictive tracking, hmm. uh, that, make it possible so uh, you know that's that's some that's that's also impressive too so seeing that where that's going to go that's what that's what captures my imagination too that's awesome yeah no because i mean one of the things just in thinking about what both of you guys talked about like as far as you know the like foveate like yeah being able to track eye movement versus you know increased you know body input into games and like all of this really is i think to just 
be able to allow people to be more immersed in their VR experiences. And like one of the, one of the side effects I think from, from using, you know, like, like the, the screen tech that you were talking about is just the, the fact that sometimes like a lot of stuff in VR, like in my experience anyways, tends to have kind of like unforeseen or like additional benefit side benefits that you wouldn't necessarily think would come with, with that specific type of advancement. And like, like, with foveated lenses, for example, like the reason I'm, that comes to mind on that is like, I wonder what, how players would react differently in VR when they're no longer kind of required to completely move their head in order to see like things as clearly as they may be able to, if they are just moving their eyes, for example, or mm-hmm. like, like one of the things like you notice when you see people start to kind of experiment with some of the, the, the wireless you know, solutions that are out there and the ones that are going to come to market is not only the fact that it's, it's wireless, but the fact that like all of a sudden people are behaving in a more natural way when they didn't even realize that they were really like, like kind of, you know, artificially limiting what they were doing based on the hardware <laughs> that we have now, you know, like, so, so it's just interesting to, to think like the, the further along, like we get with those things just to see how people would would will interact with games in the future and yeah. and and what new things that that you guys will be able to 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 maybe implement when you see kind of the possibilities there when when you get to try out that new tech for the first time. <laughs> so it's all it's all exciting stuff. So and and yeah, I, I had a blast playing two MD. So I I just wanted to commend you guys for for an awesome VR experience. Like, like I said, like me going into it, I wasn't a hundred percent sure like like the whole scope of the game or whatever, like always the test for me is like, am I going to come back to this time and time again? Like, am I just having fun with the, the, the core experience of the game and, and 2MD, like I felt like I was a quarterback and I felt like once I started connecting those throws, like it was, it was one of those feelings that like, you know, for, for those, those moments that you're in the game, like you're, you're getting a sense of something that you don't get to experience anywhere else. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, if if there's any, uh, I guess just like as a final point for just kind of a you know kind of just shameless plug on on your part or whatever, where where should people follow Truant Pixel and and where can people you know give their feedback and and learn more about what you guys are going to be up to in the future? Oh, um, on Twitter generally is I think where we're doing most of our social media push. It's at Truant Pixel. Okay. And we also have a YouTube channel. We still do the dynamic themes, of course, and we're going to be publishing some new ones. Actually, a new one comes out tomorrow. Okay. Um, it's very much Blade Runner inspired. Um, and Ian knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, we figured out a way to do frustrum culling in the theme software, which is like, it's not supposed to be able to do this, but we can make it happen. <laughs> uh, and, but we, I do, I put a lot of stuff on YouTube, um, which is also uh, our YouTube channels, just, I think just true and pixel. Um, I look for people to give feedback and, and whatnot, and we'll put up uh, fun stuff uh, sometimes. Okay. Awesome. Well, well, thank you both again for taking the time to speak with me and uh, yeah. Uh, good luck with 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 the theme that's going to be releasing soon, and and you know your your recent release on PlayStation VR. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks right. so much. You're welcome. Take care. Take care.